so good. Hallelujah. I'm going to try and w- still walk around a bit. You know, the Lord is like, he's so funny. Like, well, it's not, I don't know if it was the Lord, but he like humbles us in some interesting ways. Like yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, I was trying to get off the bus. And I don't even know what was going on in my heart at that time, but I slipped coming off the bus and my foot caught the curb, right? And then I just did like a face plant right on the concrete. And in Korea, no one wants to help you up. Everyone just like looked at me and I was, and I ran around the corner and I was like on the side. And then, uh, I don't know why, but I felt like God was, uh, he was humbling me for some reason. I guess I really needed, I like went home and I was like repenting and I was like, I don't even know why, but thanks for humbling me, God. Man, God is good. I don't know why I just shared that right now. It's kind of random. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want to get into the word real quick. Uh, how about we all just bow our heads and I'll say a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you. We thank you so much for the breakthroughs, Lord, that, that you are bringing to us tonight, Father. Um, Lord, we thank you that we are all safe here in this house. And no matter where, what church we go to, Lord, that the people that you've appointed over us, God, we just thank you, Lord, that, Father, you are sovereign and you are good to speak through us, through those people that you have placed over our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that they are manifestations of your heart to us, God. Father, I pray that tonight, Lord, as I preach the word, that your word would go out and be spirit in life, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would really open up all of our hearts to receive what you have to say tonight, God, through your word. I pray, Father, that you would shift mindsets, Lord. Father, as it says in your word, that we would be transformed by the renewal of the mind. God, would you renew our minds tonight, Lord, by the preaching of your word. Lord, we bind every work of the devil, and we just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, Can can I get some water real quick? Thanks, Myungwa. Thanks. Me and Myungwa, we're like siblings, so we fight a lot. So when she does that, I'm like really touched. Uh, Anyways, uh, (laughs) the word of the Lord comes to us tonight from Luke chapter 4. I want everyone to turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. If you know where Luke is, it's in the New Testament. It's between Mark and John. If you have your iPhone, you can just push a button. Luke 4. And I want us to read together from verses 1 to 13. How about I read the odd, you read the even. All right? So I'll start us off. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness... The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Let's switch and read two verses each. I'll read the next two. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And 
And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Let's read this last verse all together. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I'm going to read this last verse one more time. It says, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Tonight I want to talk to you about an opportune time. You know, the devil, he seeks, he moves on an opportune time. The devil is always looking for a moment, an opportunity by which he can come into our lives and tempt us, right? We see this in in Luke 4 right here where Jesus was hungry. He he had been fasting for 40 days. And then all of a sudden, you know, here comes the devil. You know, I don't know what his music was, but devil shows up on the scene. Because it was an opportune time. And then he tempts him. And then he begins to look for another opportune time. You know, the devil is someone who is always looking for a moment of opportunity that he can seize to tempt us. But, you know, so many of us in the body of Christ, when we when we walk and when we live our lives, we live the exact same way. We live our lives according to moments of opportunity. Moments that, you know, we're looking one way and the next way for an opportune time that we can seize. But I'm here to tell you tonight that God doesn't want us to live according to an opportune time, but to live in accordance to a due season. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter four that there is a time for everything, right? A season for everything under heaven. Ecclesiastes three, sorry. And. What I was realizing, I guess what the Lord had been speaking to me was that there's so, there's so much that happens in a time of transition. There's so much that happens when everything else around you seems to be moving. And there can be an anxiety that we begin to feel. There can be this, this place inside of us where we're just waiting. We seem like it feels like we're waiting all day. It seems like we're just looking for that opportunity for us to seize, to step into our destiny. To step into what God really has for us. To step into the promises that he has. You know, we're looking for an opportune time. You know, when the devil came to Jesus, he was looking for an opportune time. And and that's the way we live. I told someone that I was going to be talking about times and seasons today. And they gave me a look kind of like, mm-hmm, you're talking about times and seasons, right? You must be talking about relationships. I'm not. I don't think. (laughs) But I want to just impress upon us that we need to learn how to live not according to these moments of opportunities that come around us. We don't need to come into the house of God looking for an opportunity. So many of us, when we enter in, we're like, where's my opportunity to use my gifts Where's my opportunity to step into the place that God has for me? You know, Jesus was approached in Luke four. He was in the desert, right? He was he was hungry. He was in the wilderness. And the devil comes to him and he tempts him in three ways. He tempts him in accordance to his sonship in terms of God's provision into his life. You know, if you're the son of God, why don't you take this stone and turn it into bread? He tempts him in terms of whether or not he has authority. 
He takes them up, up top and he shows them all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, in a moment of time, he says, I have authority to all these kingdoms. I will give you the kingdoms and their glory if you'll just bow down and worship me. And then he tempts him again and, and he says, well, why don't you just take yourself up high and cast yourself down and then let the angels bring you up? You know, so many times we're tempted to seize moments of opportunity that test us in God's provision, his protection, his power and authority in our lives, as well as whether or not God is, is really protecting us. You know, Satan comes before us with these different temptations. He comes again in, in the rest of Luke 4, where Jesus, after Jesus had rebuked Satan, and he goes and he, he's, he's out for finally doing his ministry, right? He's out doing his ministry, and he sees this unclean, this unclean person, this woman with an unclean demon, or as a man, is a person with an unclean spirit. And as soon as Jesus walks up to him, the, the demon starts speaking, right? I know who you are. You are Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of Israel. And then Jesus rebukes him, right? And he says, you know, shut up, be silent and get up out of that person. And every time I read that, I would always get so confused. Every time you read when Jesus rebukes or does like deliverance, he always tells the demons to shut up. And I could never figure out why he always told the demons to shut up. But the reason is this. See, when Satan comes and when there's a temptation or a desire for us to seize an opportune time, it's never with anything evil. You know, when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he tempted him with bread. But we know in a later season, Jesus actually takes bread and he multiplies it, doesn't he? He tempts Jesus with what? The kingdom. But Jesus is the king of kings, right? Later, he steps up and once Jesus, we exalt Jesus every day. We say, you're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. We say all the kingdoms of the earth belong to you. Even when he took Jesus up high and Jesus, he was saying, well, cast yourself down and then be exalted. Jesus does that. We call that the cross. He goes into the house of God and he's cast down, but later he's exalted. Even with the, the demon who comes out and he's like, you're the Holy One of Israel. You know, that demon was actually confirming a prophetic word. It was a prophetic word that's spoken in the book of Isaiah. Where Isaiah talked, he prophesies about who Jesus is. And he says, you know, Jesus, he says, the Messiah to come. He's the Holy One of Israel. But the reason why Jesus rebukes the devil, the reason why Jesus rebuked Satan was because he brought good things. But it wasn't time yet. You know, Jesus had received the most the, the prophetic word of all prophetic words. Right. He was baptized in the Jordan. The heavens rent open and God speaks down and he says, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. And then he goes out into the wilderness where there's no more prophetic words. And the first thing that Satan tries to tempt him in is things that were good, but it just wasn't time yet. Even in John chapter 2, when Jesus comes out and it talks about the wedding in Cana, right? They're having a party. They're having a house party up in that piece. And they are, people are pretty much drunk. But they run out of wine, right? 
Like, and so it's kind of weird, actually. They run out of wine at the party. Everyone's already drank it. And Jesus's mom comes to him and says, we've run out of wine. I mean, like, would your mom ever come to you and like, at a, okay, sorry. I mean, well, that's happened to me once, like in my, my BC days. I was, I was at a party and my friend's mom was like, we're all out of drinks. And I was like, wow, that's your mom, yo. <laughs> Mary comes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, we're, we're all out of wine. And you know what Jesus says to her? He says, woman. Well, first off, Jesus must know due seasons because in order to say woman to his mom, I said woman to my mom one time. When I was 15 and I, I heard someone else say it, right? You know, when you're a kid, you hear somebody else doing it. You're like, I can do that when I get home. <laughs> and my mom was like, why don't you go in the back and do that? I was like, woman. And then my mom turned and she looked at me. You ever seen Street Fighter? You know, like Dalsim, like when he, he like does like the, the stretch arm. I swear to you, my mom did a stretch arm and she smacked me clean in my mouth. Like, I never call my mom woman again. I'm like, mom, you, you are a woman, but I will never. You are my, she's like, I'm your mama, boy. I was like, actually, I kind of cried. I was 15. Don't judge me. It hurt. Y'all shouldn't be clapping. (laughs) Jesus says to, he says, woman, why do you ask this of me? What does he say? He says, my time has not yet come. Jesus was someone who walked with the understanding of not living according to every opportunity that passes his way, but understanding that God is working in his life towards a due season. And I'm here to tell you tonight that whatever season you're in, whatever you may feel dry or whatever prophetic words or whatever God has spoken over your life and you don't see it manifest right now. I'm here to encourage you because God is working towards a due season. See, whenever we seize a moment of opportunity and not begin to press towards a due season, we fall into sin. You know what lust is? Lust is going for sexual intimacy outside of God's timing and provision. Greed, that's God's financial provision outside of his timing. Anger. Jesus said, if you hate in your heart, you've committed murder. You know what hate is? You know, many times when we hate someone, we have a motive. We feel justified in our hate. You know what that is? That's a desire for justice and vindication, which is outside of God's provision. You know, Satan will come with something that is good outside of God's timing. Because the way that Satan works is Satan works in accordance to debt. You know how debt works? Debt works that you reap now and you sow later. Take what's given to you now and then you'll pay me back for it later. But God works in accordance to investment. What we sow for in prayer, what we sow in our finances, what we sow in our service. You know, the only times where it talks about seizing an opportunity in the Bible is when it says, take every opportunity to do good, to serve, to one love, one to love one another. 
It says it in Galatians 6, I believe. It says, take every opportunity to do good. Why? Because in due season, you will reap if you don't give up. Many of you, I, I can feel it. Many of you, there's been such words that have been spoken out over you. And there's been so much transition, so many different things that have been happening in your life. And you've been wondering, God, are you really going to bring this word to pass? God, are you really going to cause it? You've spoken it to my heart, but I don't see it manifest right now. Maybe you even see it manifest in someone else's life, but you don't see it manifest in your own. And there's that desire that to take the first opportunity. You know, even with Eve, it said that Eve saw that the fruit was good for food and she ate. But it was outside of God's provision. You know, so for so long and for so long as a Christian, I thought like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was like this big, ugly tree that like looked like a like something from like a Disney movie, you know, like, like Sleepy Hollow. If you've ever seen that movie, it's like and that's what I thought it looked like. And I thought like, man, it was like Eve and Adam, they had to be like wretched, man. They just walk over to that tree and eat that fruit. No, the fruit looked good. But it was outside of God's provision and timing. You know. When I'm talking about an opportune time and I talk about a due season, what I'm really talking about is the fact that God is working in your life to bring you to the fullness of what he has for you. In Galatians chapter four, it talks about Jesus, right? Jesus was a man who walked in the fullness everywhere he went. And it talks, it references Jesus's birth in Galatians four. And it says that in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. Born of a woman, born under law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And that word fullness of time, it means something very significant. It's the Greek word pleroma. Everyone say pleroma. Pleroma. I'm going to teach you all some Greek. Pleroma. See, the Greek word pleroma actually means fullness. It's talking about a fulfilled moment. It's talking about a time in which everything in the past was pointing to that particular moment. And everything in the future is pointing back to that particular moment. You know, when it talks about the pleroma of time, it's talking about how when everything that was happening, even in human history, was pointing to Jesus' birth. And everything that happened after that moment points back to Jesus' birth. You know, we in a class that we have at Torch, we were studying. Um, it's a class I have with Pastor Christian, actually. We were studying about the, the history heading up to the time of Jesus' birth. And it was amazing. Like, I was, like, reading it, and I was like, wow, you know, I never looked at it this way. And it was, I don't know why. I, I never even, I don't know, I don't do that. You know, my classes at Torch, some of them, you know, I enjoy and some of them not so much, you know. But this class, we're talking about the history leading up to Jesus' birth. 
And it was so amazing what was happening because as Jesus's, by the time of Jesus' birth came around, there was a political vacuum in Israel. That time there was, before that time, there was this group of people known as the Maccabees. And they had established this Jewish kingdom, but then they were taken down. And so there was this huge political vacuum that was taking place in, in the land of Israel at that time. There was a social vacuum. There was an economic vacuum. There was this huge void right then at that time. And there was no other time in history that God could send the Messiah. There was no other time in history that God could send Jesus on this earth. If he sent him at, a, at an earlier date, it would have been the wrong time. If he sent him at a later date, it would have been the wrong time. There was only one particular time in history that God could send Jesus because it was the fullness of time. And everything that God does in our lives, he does it because he's working towards the fullness of time in our lives. That we, we arrive to a place where everything in our lives points to that particular moment from the past. And everything in the future points back to that particular time. You hearing me right now, church? See, you know, when you seize an opportunity, there's this thing called an opportunity cost. When you seize an opportunity, it means that you have forsook another one. But when you walk in the fullness of time, there is no opportunity cost. Because it's the perfect moment. Everything in your life has been building up to that particular time. And therefore, there is no cost. But you paid the cost already before that time. And now you just walk in the blessing. That's what God's doing in your life right now. When you feel like, you know what? I, I want to see this manifest in my life. I want to see these promises manifest in my life. Why am I not stepping into this place right now? It's because God is working towards the fullness. He doesn't want you to have part of it. He doesn't want you to walk into debt. He wants you to walk into blessing. You know, we see this in the life of David. We see this in the life of David where where David, David received an amazing prophetic word. Everyone turn to first Samuel 17. You guys with me right now? See, everyone knows the story of David and Goliath, right? We all know this story. We all love this story. And, you know, in the in the chapter before that, David's anointed king. David, like, you know, like Jesus receiving that amazing prophetic word. God has spoken such amazing destiny into David's life, into Jesus's life. God does it through Samuel. He speaks and anoints David that David would be king. There wasn't there weren't there was only one other king before that. But he says, you know what, he, he anoints him and declares that David would be king, this shepherd boy. And then after that, right in, in chapter 17, they hear there's this battle that's going on with the Philistines. And there's this huge mountain of a guy, Goliath, right? This uh, uncircumcised Philistine or whatever. Every time we talk about Goliath, we call him like we. Always got to refer to him as an uncircumcised Philistine. It's, I don't know why, but it's so weird. But 
what's biblical, I guess. Um, but there's this guy, there's Goliath there, right? And David comes. We all know the story. But when David comes, something really peculiar happens. David's already been anointed and been and prophesied and been set apart as being the king. And when he goes up and Saul begins to hear about who David is, you know what happens? Saul gives David his armor. You know, so many times I've read over that part of scripture and I've just been like, oh, well, yeah, Saul gave him his armor. That's, he needs armor. But if you understand the, the context of that situation, it's such a big thing. David was just a little shepherd boy. But the king of the nation says, you know what? I'm going to give you my, I'm, I'm going to give you my armor. I'm going to give you my sword. You know, in battle for the king to give up his armor, for the king to give up his weapon signified he was giving up his authority. He was giving up his protection and he was giving up his weapons But he was giving it to someone who was actually set apart to be the king. Imagine if you were David in that very moment. You've been anointed and you've been spoken of as being the king. And then the king gives you armor that should be yours. And David begins to, David has this armor on, but you know what David does? Because, see, David understood that there was a time for everything. David takes the armor off. And he says, you know what? I take this armor off because I have not, I have not proved it. And it would only slow me down. I want you to flip over one more chapter to, to chapter 18. What happens is we all know the story. David takes off the armor. He grabs what? He grabs up his tools. He grabs up his slingshot and he grabs up his rocks and puts it in his shepherd's bag. And then he kills Goliath. And then in the next chapter, he he goes and he's before Saul and he's beginning to tell them of everything that happens. And it says that Jonathan, Jonathan looked at David and he loved David as his own soul. And then Jonathan gives to David his robe, gives to David his armor, and gives to David his sword. And it says that David goes off and has an amazing victory. See, the word of the Lord to you is this. You've got to understand where, where Jonathan is, too. Because Jonathan was the, the son of the king. Jonathan was the heir Jonathan was the one who had been serving under under Saul, not David. David was out in the field singing songs. But Jonathan, you know, Jonathan was a mighty man of God. You know, it's there's a story of Jonathan where he runs up the hill and and defeats the enemy. You don't do that in warfare. You don't run uphill. If you run uphill, you get slaughtered. But Jonathan runs uphill. This mighty man of God looks at David and he gives David his armor. He gives David his sword. He gives him his robe. You know, so many times when we walk in, we want to wear the armor of the king. We want to wear the armor of the father. We want to wear the armor of our destiny. But we're, we're not ready to have it yet. It will only slow us down. If you try to wear the armor of the season to come in this season, it will only cause you to get killed. You know, David couldn't defeat Goliath wearing Saul's armor. 
And in this season, there are things that God wants you to defeat. Things that God wants you to experience victory over. Things, exploits, great exploits that God wants you to do in this season. But you can't do it if you're just looking for an opportunity to grab the armor from the next season. You can only do it if you grab the armor of the son. Not the father. See, when David put on Jonathan's armor, he went out and killed 10,000. He went out and had great exploits. I'm talking about living in the fullness of the season that God has you in. That's really what I'm talking about. When I talk about the pleroma, when I talk about the due season to come, when I talk about what God is preparing you for, what God is ushering you into. I'm telling you that because God desires for you to live fully now in the present. Because there are things that you are to defeat, things that you are to do in this season now. You know, later on, David, he had other opportunities to kill Saul, but he didn't. You know, in our society, the motto that we live by is what, like, it's like carpe diem. Seize the day. And everyone's walking around looking to seize the day. But imagine if David would have just seized the day. He would have dishonored God. See, we don't seize the day. As sons and daughters, we don't have to seize anything. Because it doesn't say that all who seize the day are called sons of God. It's just those who are led by the spirit. We don't have to walk looking to and fro to try and seize every opportunity. Because we know that God will lead us into each and every place that he has for us. So living, living fully, being led by the spirit, living fully in this season that God has for us. How do we do that? I'm just going to give you one key tonight. That you don't seize an opportune time, but you live in, a, in accordance for a due season. You live in the time that God has for you now. You do it through thankfulness. We, we do it through thanksgiving. You know, one of the biggest things in the body of Christ that many of us forget to do is to just be thankful. A couple weeks ago, you know, I'm, I'm going to be real vulnerable with y'all right now. Last week. <laughs> okay, so last week. I was at home and I think it was after it was after like the 50, the, the different in, engagements take, took place. And I, I, I kid you, kid you, I tell you the truth. No, I don't kid you. I tell you the truth. Like 50 people asked me after that. Well, what about you, Marcus? Well, what about you? You're the only single guy on the core. What about you? <laughs> Woe is me. Right. And then, uh, and then I didn't. And then after that, I got this phone call from from home and it was it was a company like some bill that I, I had not known about. And they're asking for money that I do not have. 
And I'm like, ah! uh, let me call you back. All right. And then I'm trying to think what else. Something else happened. And then I got into this. I was in mad melancholy mood. I went home and no offense to melancholy because, you know, I'm just saying I got in that mood and I'm just in my room and I cut off in the IHOP prayer, the prayer room. and I'm just sitting there and I'm And I, I, I sing, I sing a bit, like singing along, but I'm not really worshiping. You know, sometimes you can sing and it's not worship. And I was just singing, and then all of a sudden, I, I hear God say to me, "Marcus, thank me right now." And I'm like, "What am I going to thank you for? <laughs> what do we have to talk about?" And then God said, he impressed upon my heart. He said, well, you can start with the fact that you're alive. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> and so I was just right there and I started to pray. And I was like, Lord, you know what? I thank you that I'm alive. Lord, I thank you that I'm alive. I thank you, God, that, Lord, you saved me. I thank you, God, that you've called me here to Korea. I thank you, God, that you called me to this church. I thank you for the honor, God, of even being in this church, experiencing the things, God, that I get a chance to experience. God, I thank you for your financial provision, God, that there's food on the on the table, God, that there's clothes on my back. I thank you, God, that, Father, that you have spoken to my life, Father, in the past, in the present, and you will in the future. I thank you, God, for everything, Lord, that you have given me, because, Lord, all of it was a gift. None of it was deserved and as i began to thank him the spirit of the living god began to come into the room and i began to weep and god began to speak to me and he said marcus you know what you have no right to regret because marcus i've been working in your life and i will continue to do so to bring you to that place of fullness It says in his word in Psalm 104 it says it says Psalm 100 verse 4 it says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise many of us just need to learn how to give him thanks again we need to learn how to give him thanks again for the holy spirit we get to experience his presence sunday after sunday friday after friday every single day we enjoy intimacy with him and when you enter into his gates when you bring it, you begin to bring him praise he inhabits your, the praises of his people, right? So his presence comes down. And in his presence, there is no lack. You know, Pastor Aaron used to say that all the time. In his presence, there is no lack. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but it says in his word, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It says that he will supply all your needs according to his riches in what? In glory. But part of the reason why we miss it and because we're looking for every opportunity is because we don't, we don't know how to give him thanks. See, when you give him thanks, not only do you enter his presence, but also you begin to partake in everything that he has already given you. Everything that, you've all, that you already possess. Everything that God has already set apart for you. When you begin to just thank him. 
it begins to release a blessing in your life. Philippians 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. He is near. When we feel oppressed, when we feel broken down, it says in his word that he is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? That's what Jesus said. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then it says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When your heart and your mind feel like they're all out of whack and you feel like Satan's just been coming in with all kinds of lies, you need to start thanking God. They brought down the city of Jericho with praise. Jehoshaphat entered in with praise. With thanksgiving. And when we do that, we begin to recognize, you know what? I'm right where God has me. I'm right where I need to be. And then that positions you for everything else that he has for you later. You're not going to miss it. You can't miss it. Not when you're his son, his daughter. It says God works all things for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. Let's bow our heads right now.